0: This may not need to be said, but I'm going to say it anyway. Zvonimir Ivasic is getting screwed by the NCAA. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. What's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on into Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Daw, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky Athletics. On today's episode, we are going to be discussing Zvonimir Ivesich's current status with Kentucky Athletics, as well as just a refrain on where he is currently with the NCAA. To the best of our knowledge, also on today's episode, I have prepared about an hour's worth of notes for you guys today. I've condensed it. Uh, what is going on in SEC basketball? I'm going to give a rundown of every single team in this conference and what you need to know about them as a Wildcat fan before they face off against UK. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen. Every single day, want to remind you guys that we are free and available on all platforms. If you like this episode after you listen to it, Please subscribe to the show if you are listening on podcast. I would greatly appreciate it if you sub there as well, if you enjoy the content. So let's go ahead and get into it. Zvonimir Ivasic did return home to uh, to spend the holidays with his family in Croatia. Zvonimir put out a post on December 20th. We are recording this on December 26th. So not quite sure if he is going to have returned, if he has returned at this point. Maybe he is still in Croatia, but... Zvonimir posted this, he said, quote, I met with coach Cal and discussed going home for the holidays. My family and I worked really hard to gain admission to Kentucky, which took quite a while with the ups and downs of this process. It's been stressful and emotional for me and my family, but I can tell all of big blue nation that I've done everything I can. I've obtained a 3.25 GPA. I love the school. I love my teammates and going against other great players every day in practice. I love being coached and challenged, and I'm hoping to hear that I can play soon. Go big blue nation. That was Vondemir Ivasic's status update on December 20th, December 21st, Kentucky beats the absolute snot out of Louisville. I believe that was on that day. Please don't let me be wrong here. Yes. Okay. December first, and uh, coach Cal, Provided an update on Zvonimir after that update from Big Z himself. You kind of started to feel, first of all, very disappointed uh, for for Ivacic and how this process has played out, and just the straight up uh, it just being ignored. It feels like by the NCAA uh, because of all of these different things going on with uh, with his uh, his process to get eligible here does not really feel like we've heard anything and so it feels like therefore that it's just kind of being ignored in fact the NCAA I believe they're like their eligibility or whatever they call their department to actually get these kids eligible tweeted out and was essentially just like okay we're going to be on break until January 2nd or something like that peace and um it just further solidifies some frustrations that the the this Kentucky fan base has uh, about Zvonimir Ivasic and where this is going because of Noah, we haven't had any updates. It doesn't really feel like anything is happening. Um, big Z himself says he's done everything he can. Not quite sure what the details are, but Coach Cal did say on the 21st that Big Z would go home for the holidays. And I think the big quote here that makes me personally feel bad for Ivasic and the situation that he's been put in, obviously it's a great opportunity, but just not being able to capitalize on it he was 242 pounds, Coach Cal said. He's now 219. He's not eating. He's not sleeping. And uh, he's had a couple of different illnesses and an injury, apparently, during practice. So a rough go uh, for Zvonimir Ivasic ever since he arrived on campus. The fact that he, throughout this sickness and these difficulties for him, he's been able to maintain a pretty solid GPA, all things considered. I mean, it's it's impressive. It is impressive to be able to step in um, into a foreign country uh, with with uh, difficulties possibly with the language, obviously it not being your first there. Um, says he, Coach Cal said he'd go home, and he would be back before the Illinois State game on December 29th, so three days from now. So we'll maybe see him here in a day or so back on campus practicing, maybe not quite sure what his status is um, with the NCAA as to whether or not he is allowed to practice now now that their 45-day period after uh, Kentucky submitted their application. I don't know. I have no idea, no idea what's going on uh, with Big Z. But point being, it's very, very, very frustrating. The NCAA, I mean, they have kind of screwed him at this point. We are now a third of the way into the season, and Kentucky has gotten two of their other big men uh, who were suffering from injury back, and that has greatly helped them. And the final piece of the puzzle is just kind of waiting in the wings. And he's suffering physically. Uh, again, I'm impressed with what he's been able to do academically. Um, but to go from 242 to 219, if that is true, you may need to, to kind of take a step back and reevaluate things. Especially if you are doing everything you can to get approved and to become eligible, I don't know if he's ever going to play here. I said uh, on a recent podcast, I don't think he's ever going to play here. Um, I, I we we don't know what's going to happen. There is literally no other emotion that I feel other than disappointment and frustration. There there's nothing else. Coach Cal said, I'd rather him be with me, stay with me. But for him, the best thing for him is to go get home. He needs to be around. His family, the NCAA Eligibility Center, by the way, is the uh, is the account that said they will be closed through Monday, January 1st. Normal business hours resume Tuesday, January 2nd. Really, really tough go for Zvonimir Iovacic, who has still not been approved. Will we see him get approved somehow after that Illinois State game? Could he be approved before the Florida game? Would he even play in the Florida game at that point? Will he play for Kentucky ever I don't think so, but I want to ask you guys in the YouTube comments below, what do you think? Will Zvonimir play? How do you feel about a situation? I think it's ridiculous. I'm very disappointed for him. The the weight drop is concerning, genuinely. So let me know what you think in the YouTube comments below. I want to get to a ton of notes that I have here on the SEC. What do you need to know about these teams? As a Wildcat fan, We're going to talk about that in just a second. Before we do that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. And eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, Eligible items only, exclusions apply, eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. All right, continuing along on the Tuesday edition of Locked On Kentucky, Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. Uh, Really hope that you guys had a great uh, Christmas off. I know I sure did. Great time hanging out with the fam. But We are back and really looking forward to the start of the SEC schedule here after the Wildcats play Illinois State. Hopefully hopefully. Kentucky gets a win here. But on today's episode, I thought that before this SEC slate starts, I would go over every single SEC team, kind of give a take, and then give five different things to note about them, the fifth being their most valuable player. So we're going to start here at the top, according to Ken Palm, and we are going to work our way down to the very bottom. Going to do every single team, these notes took a minute to compile, was not very serious, loved doing this, and hopefully you guys take away something from this today, just to kind of educate yourself on what's going on in the rest of the SEC. Starting at the top, like I mentioned, Tennessee is the best team in the conference, at least according to Kim Palm. They're number six in the Kim Palm ratings, number seven in the net, nine and three is their current record. They have defeated two teams ranked inside the top 15 on Kimpom in Wisconsin and Illinois. They had a three-game losing streak. Those three losses that they have on their schedule were all back-to-back-to-back. Purdue, Kansas, and North Carolina by an average of seven points. Pretty competitive in all three of those contests. And when you go and actually watch them, it was kind of a varying degree as to how they lost. They either gave up a ton of points at the foul line or both teams struggled defensively and it just ended up not going uh, Tennessee's way. Um, but either way, Kim Palm thinks they're good. They have a couple of solid victories on their resume, um, solid losses if you can qualify it as that. They're the number four defense in the nation according to Kim Palm, number thirty-one offense. Uh, so really, really strong defense once again. Underneath Rick Barnes, the interesting thing about Tennessee, and this is something that I would not have expected before I went and looked at their roster. They're one of the shortest teams. In the sec the only team that's shorter is missouri so they've got some different interesting pieces i think across their rotation one of which we'll get to here in a second but there's not a lot of height or length as opposed to what we've seen the vols work with over even these past couple of years which i thought was very interesting so their most valuable player mvp dalton necht 15.7 points per game shooting 37.7 percent from three he has been pretty much a pure scorer for them, transfer out of, I believe, NAU. I may be incorrect on that. I, I know that he transferred out from somewhere uh, in the West, if I'm not mistaken. But Tennessee, great defense, has kind of carried them in the computer rankings. That's why KP, I believe Bart Torvik loves them as well. The net rankings still love them, despite having those three losses on their schedule. I guess victories over Wisconsin and Illinois is great enough to qualify for a uh, for a top 10 spot here. Ah, uh, kind of across the board. So Tennessee, best team in the in the SEC, at least according to the computer rankings. Curious to see what you guys think about that. Alabama has a deceptive seven and five record, or at least that's what the computer models want to tell you. Number eight in the Kim Pom ratings, number nine in the net seven and five, like I mentioned, are the Alabama Crimson Tide. The offense is the number one offense in the nation. Their average possession length is 14 seconds. So every time they get the ball on offense, 14 seconds, that's extremely fast. They like to run around, uh, drive to the rim, kick it out for threes. They've got a couple of different really strong guards that they're working with, one of which we will discuss in a second. But this offense has been great all around. Top 35 are the Crimson Tide. An effective field goal percentage, offensive rebound percentage, three point, two point, and free throw percentage as well. They do everything very well. They grab rebounds. They shoot from beyond the arc well, inside the arc well, from the foul line. Well, they've got the personnel to do it. Um, They've got a really interesting five man in Grant Nelson, the transfer from North Dakota State, who has not been a great outside shooter, but has been a very versatile piece for them, according to Ken Palm. And this is why I say that Alabama has a deceptive seven and five record. They are projected to win nine of their next 10 games the only uh, loss there being to Tennessee. So 16-6, and 8-1 and one in the SEC looks a lot better than 7-5 with a couple of difficult losses on their resume. All five losses, by the way, to top 27 teams on Kempom. That would be Ohio State, Clemson, Purdue, Creighton, and Arizona. So Bama is projected to rebound. They're projected to go through this SEC slate and kind of take it by the reins. So Will Bama be one of the best teams in the SEC when all is said and done? I'm curious to see if their defense, which is just not great, holds them back, but that offense, it can really score some points. The most valuable player on this team right now is Mark Sears. I think 19.6 points per game leads the SEC. He's shooting over 53% from the floor, the floor and 44% from beyond the arc. So Bama, Tennessee, and then the third team, Auburn, is balanced. That's my takeaway for the Tigers. Number 10 in the Kim Pom ratings, number 21 in the net, nine and two. Those two losses coming to Baylor and App State. That App State loss, uh, really difficult on the road. Just not a great shooting performance for the Tigers. And that's kind of been the interesting thing about the Tigers is that they are not the best shooting team, but they have elite guard play at times and they're pretty balanced on both offense and defense. They trounced USC, Indiana, and Virginia Tech. Indiana at a neutral site. The other two games at home. All solid opponents, but none of them, like, good. They've got, like I mentioned, elite guard play at times. Uh, Aiden Hallway, five-star guard who just came in. Trey Donaldson, backup from last season. Both of them playing very well when it comes to their assist-to-turnover ratio. In fact, the Tigers are number five in the country in assist uh, per field goals made on KP. Uh, And then uh, the balance that I mentioned here, top 18 and adjusted efficiency on both offensive or offense and defense. I believe they're number 15 on offense, number 18 on defense. So they've got some different pieces across the roster that makes them pretty balanced as well. They've got a decent front court, decent back court wing position. I think at times is leaving a little bit to be desired statistically, um, but Auburn across the board, um, one of the better teams in the SEC, how they play, uh, in conference play, I think may be a little bit of a different story. Their MVP right now, I think, is their center, actually. Janai Broom, averaging almost 15 a game, eight and a half rebounds, and then almost 1.8 blocks per contest. So those are your top three. Number four is Texas A&M. In case you're wondering, by the way, the, where the Wildcats fall, they are apparently the fourth best team in the SEC right now, Project, projected to go 12-6 and six in conference play. So, That is where uh, the Wildcats stand. And I think they would then technically be the three seed because they would tie with Alabama at 12-6, and according to Kim Pomp. So, who knows? But Texas A&M here, I think they've disappointed me a little bit. Number 23 in the Kim Pomp ratings, number 19 in the net. The thing about Buzz Williams and the Aggies over these past couple of seasons has been, okay, you've impressed, In conference play, you've won some games, absolutely. Last year, they had a chance to be the number one team in the SEC had they won that game late against Alabama and done a couple of other things, I think. But they've just simply not been able to do what they need to do in non-con play. They've not been able to get the resume-building wins, and or at least they've not been able to get enough. And I think that may end up being the case again. Right now, they're eight and four. They've beaten two teams ranked inside the top 27 on Kempom, number 27, Ohio State, number 12, Iowa State. They had close-ish losses to FAU, who's very good, Virginia, who was decent, Memphis, who was good, and a very close loss to Houston, who's the number one team in the country, according to KP. The thing that gets them going, despite some of their inefficiencies... Is they are the best offensive rebounding team in the nation. Like, number one. And they don't have a particularly uh a particularly uh tall team. They've just been really good at grabbing uh second chance points so far this season. The thing that holds them down on offense though is they are the worst three-point shooting team in the SEC, shooting underneath 29%, but they still have a top five offense on Kem in terms of adjusted efficiency, because I think largely due in part to that offensive rebounding margin. I just don't really buy in to their offense as a whole in SEC play. I'm curious to see how it goes. They need some resume building wins. If they had gotten a win against FAU, Virginia, Memphis, or Houston, that would have been huge. The the game against Houston would have been massive. That would have been massive. You could split SEC play and you could ride in uh, to the NCAA tournament as like somewhere between a seven to five seed. I mean, legitimately, um, depending on who you beat in, in conference play. Uh, but their MVP right now, I think, is Wade Taylor, number eight in the Ken Palm Player of the Year race, 17.9 points per game, 4.6 assists, leads the team, also 2.1 steals. Inefficient shooter, inefficient shooter this season, um, but he's been able to get it done uh, with his with his base stats. So Texas A&M, technically the fifth best team in this conference, Mississippi State. Their offense is holding them back. Number 29 in the Kim Palm ratings, number 32 in the net. Bulldogs are 10-2 and two right now, and we told you guys at the beginning of the season. I said Mississippi State is going to be an interesting team to watch. We need to pay attention and see if their offense can take the next step. Well, technically it has. It's actually risen over 100 spots. Last year, uh, MSU was 176th. In adjusted efficiency. They've now risen to 72nd currently as of December 22nd or 26th. That's still not good enough. Their two games that they've lost were back to back against Georgia Tech, who is number 110 in KP, and then they lost to Southern at home, number two hundred and forty-five in the Kim Palm ratings. Both those teams bad. And then you look across their schedule, their offense has struggled on and off at times this season. They just have not been able able to get it done. They have been shorthanded as well. A couple different injuries. One of them we'll talk about in a second. Defense is number 10 in the nation. That's what's held them in games. It's what held them in games last year. Number 10 in the nation. Number 8 in three-point defense. They don't create a lot of havoc, not a lot of steals, not a lot of blocks, but they're still very solid on that end of the floor. Credit Chris Jans for getting them to buy in. Projected to start SEC play 3-6. and which is really not good, especially considering you should be 12-0 right now. You need to be 12-0, and, and they need a resume-boosting victory. Their non-con slate was pitiful. It was just really weak. So they should be 12-0 right now. <coughs> Excuse me. Their MVP Josh is Josh Hubbard, their lead guard, but it will end up being Tolu Smith, who is out with an injury right now and should return to the squad soon. Josh Hubbard, 14.8 points per game shooting almost 39% from deep. Florida is gearing up for a massive game against Kentucky, number 33 in the Kim Palm, number 46 in the net, 9-3 overall. They have defeated two top 50 opponents in Pittsburgh and Michigan. That Michigan game, a 106-101 overtime victory, dramatic game. But Florida has lost to Virginia, Baylor, and Wake Forest in close contests. The Gators play with a lot of tempo. They're one of the tallest teams in the SEC, and they have three players in the rotation that are 6'10", or taller. One of the negatives about Florida is they can't shoot free throws. 66% from the charity stripe, I think is worst in the SEC, number 314 nationally. They also turn it over a lot, uh, 18.2% turnover percentage. That is just really not what you're looking for, especially from Todd Golden and the way that he likes to run his system. I think Florida will get better. I think they'll have a decent run in conference play. I think they'll be 500 somewhere around there or slightly better. I have faith in this team, and they have decent balance, similar to Auburn, but statistically um, a league beneath uh, the Tigers. Their MVP, Zion Pullen, has been really fun to watch at different times of the season. 14 points per game, 5.1 assists per contest leads the Gators. He had 22 in that 2 overtime victory over Michigan so Florida gearing up for a massive game against the Kentucky Wildcats they can absolutely pull this one off in fact computer models think the Gators will inside the uh, inside the uh, the O Center and also something interesting to note that game has already been sold out going to be a really fun SEC opener I think just in terms of atmosphere will Kentucky win it I'm not sure but whew, orange uniforms for the Gators sold out should be a really cool atmosphere Arkansas. Oh, oh boy. What on earth are the Razorbacks doing? That was my takeaway after looking at their numbers and their schedule. Number sixty-six in the Kim Palm ratings, number thirty one, no, excuse me, number ninety-five in the net, eight and four right now, lost to UNC Greensboro early in the season. Then they kind of spiraled, lost to Memphis, North Carolina, Oklahoma. And if you go and look at those games, they weren't particularly close. In fact, all three of them, right around the 10-minute mark, um, the opponents had somewhere between a 77 to like 95% chance to win. It just wasn't really close. Arkansas has not been able to really close out games outside of their win over Duke. They're just simply okay on both offense and defense, number 64 and 65, and adjusted efficiency on offense and defense. They are projected to start FCC play 1-7, and 1-7. and seven but they do have a win over duke. So if they can get a couple of resume building wins, they'll find themselves in a similar position to where they have in these in these past few years. Somewhere between a 10 to a 7 seed, and they'll have a chance to play a 2 or a 1 and we'll see if they can compete like they have over the past two seasons. MVP or excuse me, they've relied heavily on free throws. That was my uh, final takeaway before the MVP relied heavily on free throws 23.8% points uh, come of their points come from the foul line. That's top 25 nationally. Their MVP Tremon Mark Houston transfer averaging almost 17 a game on very efficient shooting. The Arkansas Razorbacks uh, need to pick it up. They are not getting it done on either end of the floor and they have they have a really bad loss in the resume and uh, just have not been able to close it out in uh, against a team not named Duke. South Carolina are they an NCAA tournament team? really interesting stuff going on with the Gamecocks right now so they are 11 and one. They've taken care of their their very weak schedule, which I believe their SOS is 304 nationally. they lost to Clemson close. they lost that game very close. They're an extremely slow team. I believe they're the slowest in the SEC in terms of tempo. their average possession possession length on offense is 18.8 seconds which is a far cry from Alabama's 14 that we were talking about earlier. They like the three ball. They distribute well. They have some positive things going for them on off- offense, but they are not successful inside the arc or at the rim. They get blocked a lot. They're not particularly short either, which i it just may be a stylistic thing that Lamont Paris is focusing on. I'm not quite sure. Maybe it's the personnel dictating that. Uh, they've not defeated a team inside the top 165 on Kim Pong by more than 12 points. I believe they beat UNC Greensboro. No, it wasn't UNC Greensboro. It was George George Washington. I think they beat by 12. Um, But outside of that, they've not really put it on a bad opponent. They've had some really bad opponents. Like I said, this this SOS has been weak, but they're 11-1. How they play in the SEC will be interesting. I'm not quite sure if they're legit, but hey, if they go... Like 7-11 in conference play, they may have an outside shot. Or better. I mean, you may have to go 8-9, and nine, somewhere around there. Um, or just underneath 500 is what I'm trying to say here. MVP, this is very easy. Michi Johnson, one of the best scorers in the SEC. 18.3 points per game, shooting almost 37% from outside the arc. The nation's longest active win streak belongs to, that's right, you guessed it, the Ole Miss Rebels, currently number 80 in the Ken Palm Ratings, number 56 in the net. They are 12-0. and 0. They've got a weak schedule, but wins over NC State, Memphis, and UCF. They are slower, but they shoot the ball, the ball extremely well from beyond the arc. Their 40.7% clip is top 10 nationally. They're an awful two-point percentage team, number 240 there. Very aggressive on defense. Top five in block percentage. Top 15 in steal percentage. But they give up a ton of offensive rebounds a ton and they've got a little bit of height as well Chris Beard has been known for among things various negative things excuse me whoa Chris Beard has been known for his defense he's never had a team finish outside the top 60 and adjusted defensive efficiency Ole Miss currently sits at 112 their MVP I think is Alan Flanagan the Auburn transfer 16.4 points per game also leads the team in rebounds at 7.3 while shooting almost 39% from beyond the arc, which is something you could not have said uh, about Alan Flanagan during his time at Auburn. So he's taking it a step up. Shot chuck, and team, uh, the Ole Miss Rebels are. They've got three guards that, sh- uh, that shoot a lot and then it just kind of falls off from there. Georgia basketball exists to live in a shadow. Number 82 on the Kim Palm ratings, number 98 in the net, nine and three is UGA. Their best wins are against Wake Forest and FSU. Both close wins, 80-77 to 77 over Wake Forest, 68-66 to 66 over the Seminoles. They have losses to Oregon, Miami, and Providence at neutral sites. A couple of those games were not particularly close. Statistically looked awful in two of them. Nothing stands out about this team when you look at the numbers. This is the way that I used to do my breakdowns, I believe, in like 2021, talking about different teams on this show. It's like you would go and you look at their numbers, nothing stood out. You would go and watch them play against teams, nothing really stood out. They weren't particularly fast, they weren't slow, they weren't great in any area. They're just kind of there to live in the shadow of their big brother, the football program. They're, they've got a pretty eh, offense, pretty somewhere between bad and like a somewhat bad offense, number 126, and adjusted efficiency and okay defense to, to boot, which kind of feels like Georgia basketball over the past few years. Um, apologies for the burping and coughing and sneezing and different things. I've just had some very serious stomach tr- stomach trouble recently. Uh, the MVP, I think, uh, of this team is Dabri uh, Abdurrahim, uh, 13.7 points per game, also shooting a whopping 47% from beyond the arc. So he can light it up but this team just kind of is there. So we got three more teams to go here. Hopefully you've learned something about all these different squads. Dennis Gates has to improve Missouri's talent. 92nd in the Kempom ratings, 106 in the net. 7 and 5 are the Missouri Tigers losses to Memphis, Kansas, Seton Hall, Illinois, and then number 255, Jackson State, 255 in the KP ratings. My gosh, Dennis Gates, what are you doing? I think he needs talent, man. They, they really do have an interesting rotation. They've got pieces that they're trying to work. Um, shout out Connor Vanover, if you know, you know. But this team, I think, needs better talent in order for Gates to succeed at what he wants to run. They're very similar uh, when you look at their numbers to where they were a season ago. They're awful at grabbing second-chance points. They are really, really bad at preventing them, much like last season. They rely heavily on the outside shot. 37.2% of their points come from three and they're just kind of what they were last year, except worse. Their MVP is Sean East. He has been the lone bright spot for the Tigers. 17 points per game, almost four assists per contest while shooting, 55.4% from the field, and then almost 56% from outside the arc. He has been a very bright spot for them on a team that is seven and 7-5 and got whipped uh, by Kansas and, I believe, Seton Hall uh, earlier in the season. So, Gates it has to turn things around in the SEC play, and I think it's going to be a lot of his coaching and how he wants to manage this rotation uh, behind one of the better scores uh, in this league. LSU might have made the wrong hire with Mac, uh, Matt McMahon. Number one hundred and four in the Ken Palm rankings, one fifty-seven in the net, seven and five are the Tigers of the Bayou. Here's an interesting fact for you: nine of the ten seasons before Matt McMahon at LSU, uh, they finished above five hundred. Obviously, we know what happened last year seven and five. Right now, uh, predicted to have a rough go in SEC play. Finish underneath five hundred, and back to back seasons. It's rough. It's rough out here in Baton Rouge. Best win is over number fifty eight Wake Forest, and over time they've lost to Dayton, Syracuse, Kansas State, Texas, and number two hundred and sixty two Nichols State. That was, at, uh, I believe, second game of the season, if I'm not mistaken. They turned the ball over on nearly 20% of their possessions. Their MVP is a Vanderbilt transfer, which tells you all you need to know uh, about, the, uh, about the Tigers. Jordan Wright, 15 points per game, shooting almost 36% from three. Speaking of the Commodores, and we'll wrap this up here, Vanderbilt is leagues underneath everyone else in this league. Number 212 in the Kimpom Palm ratings. By the way, just for you listening at home, the previous team we just talked about, LSU, was 104 in Kimpom we have taken an over 100-spot drop to the next team. 212. And then 278 in the net. They are 4-8 RJ Jerry Stackhouse's Commodores. Their best performance of the year came in their most recent game. It was, a, uh, I believe, a 77-75 loss to Memphis, who is, like, good but not great and very experienced. So, I, I don't know what that tells you. Their opponents shoot 40% from deep which is interesting because they have a very weak strength of schedule. They are top five nationally in bench minutes. Almost half of the Commodores' minutes come from their bench, which is kind of funny to me. They can't shoot. They're slow. They can't distribute. They can't rebound. They can't defend. They don't, they don't do anything well. This team does nothing well. Ezra Mannion uh, is their MVP, 15.9 points per game, almost four assists per contest. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a look at the SEC Five different things you need to know about every single squad. Whew, longer episode today, but we have gotten through it. I really appreciate you guys tuning in. If you've not subscribed to the show already, I would really appreciate it if you went ahead and did that. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Stahl underscore. And you can follow the show on Instagram. That is over at Kentucky. Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, leave those in the YouTube comments below. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and God bless.